Hello and welcome. Got any spoons? I'm your host, Anne. I am not a medical doctor and I don't give medical advice. I do share my personal experiences, tips, tricks, and life hacks of dealing with chronic illness, disability, and pain. Recently, the Ellersdan loss uh, community lost someone. She lived in New Zealand. She was 33 years old and she died at 33 because the doctors didn't believe that she had any illness and went so far as to diagnose her with fictitious disorder, which is a lot like Munchausen's, where they believe the patient is not only making up their symptoms, but if they do have actual symptoms, it's because the patient is making themselves sick. It was very disturbing. She was an advocate in New Zealand and well-known um, to be helpful to the new diagnosed, newly diagnosed and, and things like that. And it's something that rocks our community because we do fight tooth and nail so often to be believed and receive treatment um, that this very egregious denial of care and services for an obvious problem. She was anemic. She died of her anemia because they would not give her blood transfusions because they thought she was somehow letting her own blood to make herself sick, which is which is really the sickest part is that the doctors would suggest that. In my experience, people with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome tend to be a scrappy bunch because of that uh, repeated need to fight for themselves. And sometimes they might be fighting people who are trying to help, but they just don't even know how to accept help because that's not what they get. And they it's very sacred. The story, their story, their experiences are their own. And we all have our presentation of this disorder. Some people's GI tracts are affected. Some people's you know, feet and legs are much more affected, um, but it all stems from the same thing. And uh, it's it's a scary place to be. You definitely want to relate to people, but yet you know that you're not going to be identical, or at least most of us know that. Many of us will have diagnoses, um, like a litany, <laughs> a very long list, before we get the EDS diagnosis. And with that, for instance, gastroparesis. It's a really good example because gastroparesis has a lot of different reasons that it can occur and uh, everybody's challenge is different. It's, it's number one reason is it's a diabetic thing where their tummy stops working or it's a result of anorexia, which is probably the most common um, reason the doctors like to, if you don't have diabetes, then you must be anorexic because um, nobody would not eat or not be quote able to eat. So it's, it's you, it's, you're the problem. It's in your head. Um, and they do have idiopathic where they don't know why your stomach, uh, oh, also a infection. Some people get a really bad type of infection. And as a way to battle that infection, the stomach stops working because they, the body needs to focus on other things. Does that mean that, you know, person A's gastroparesis is better, worse, 
or whatever. No, they're very different, as are the causes. But I think in general, when you do find out the cause, it helps a lot, at least brain-wise, because that gives you something to explain it. When it's idiopathic, anything, it just feels like the doctor's got lazy, just saying, well, we don't know why you have it. And in my head, I'm like, well, can we maybe look, (laughs) maybe try to find out? Um, Well, it's not diabetes. Okay. And you haven't had a virus. All right. You're right. So that's a challenge. And um, in the community, it can be challenging uh, because people are fighting for their version to be heard, to be known. um, And and that's where we're at because we're just not believed. So I can tell you my personal story with this and I can also share for those who care give or are experiencing this, what might help if you or your loved one find yourself in a similar position. I do have a fabulous GI doctor and he first used a smart pill to diagnose um, extreme global dysmotility. And he worked with me and we had a J tube inserted because my small intestine of the different areas in the GI tract looked the best. It might actually be able to absorb something. And we wanted to give that a go. It ended up not working, not absorbing. And I did not have the EDS diagnosis at this point. It didn't quite make sense, but the stomas weren't healing and they were just growing. And so my GI doctor referred me to the, um, the, the best hospital in the area and had me talk with them and wanted to see what they could offer. At the time, I had a port. I was receiving TPN through it, and I still had the J-tube, and they left that so that I could crush up medications and get my medications that way is what they were hoping. So when I was admitted to the big bad hospital, they started running some tests and I noticed that they were probably weaning me from my medications because when the doctors came in for rounds, they posed this question to me, you're on TPN. Do you know how serious that is? Well, yeah, doc. Yes, I do. And you have these things. Yes, I do. I understand. And and my my GI doc is hoping to have some support with your wealth of knowledge. And um, so that's where we're at. And then, so when I asked for my pain meds, they would say, oh, um, you can't have those for another couple of hours when I knew I was scheduled every six, but all of a sudden it was every eight. And then the next day when I'm asking for pain meds, um, well, I, that's not a script that you're allowed, but I can give you Tylenol. Okay, so they were taking away all this, all of the support of medications by weaning them and keeping me in the hospital. And I knew what they were doing. And I tried to call them out on it and ask, why are we doing this? And they wanted to, they rationalized that, that they were trying to get me back to a baseline so that they could evaluate me at base and then make decisions. I'm like, okay, I'm in the hospital that makes sense. Like I always say, logic is good for me. If you can give me the reasoning, I'll go with this. So they aren't saying that they don't want to help me. They're just needing to see me in my Ross form without any medications. 
So I was there for a week and they did completely stop the TPN, weaned me off that, stopped all the medications. And that took about a week. And then they came in uh, on the day that they were going to discharge me. And my husband wasn't there. And I think that was strategic and definitely pissed me off. I might have to take some breaks because this is a very hard story for me to get through. Um, It was two doctors that came in and they were letting me know that they thought I was not having a problem with uh, gastroparesis, but rather in their estimation, um, I was dealing with the eating disorder that I had when I was a teen. And what they wanted to recommend was that they were going to discharge me, but I was going to be referred to the eating disorder clinic and that I needed to do biofeedback and learn how to breathe while I eat. Pause for anger. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I didn't say anything in response to what these doctors were saying to me because I've never had an eating disorder. When I was a teenager, I was a swimmer. I ate quite a bit. And while yes, I lost weight because my mouth was wired shut to to correct the high palate, the jaw surgery, I, and yes, I lost weight. I never like restricted my food, restricted my intake. In fact, I would eat more because swimming three hours a day as a teenager, that requires calories. There's just no other way around that one. So I was in such disbelief and they were doing such a tag team job of gaslighting me. I was getting angry and I think they saw that. But their response to that was, well, Miss Anderson, your response is concerning us. Um, we, we are not too sure that you're safe um, because if, if you don't talk to us, we're going to need to admit you to the psychiatric ward where they can address your mental issues. Pause for anger. I think at that point, my face started turning red and I still was not saying anything to them my jaw was clenched and they kept adding more falsehoods, more gaslighting. And I was about to lose it. And then they threatened the psychiatric unit. And then they said some more stuff so that finally, basically, if you don't talk, we're going to send you to the psych unit. I said to them, this is by far the most extreme gaslighting I have ever endured. I never had an eating disorder as a teen. This thing that you said is not true. This thing that you said is not true. You have plugged in a uh, narrative that fits your agenda. We're sending me to the eating disorder clinic for biofeedback is your answer when that is wholly unhelpful. And they said some more. I said, you need to get out of my room, get out of my room right now. And I dis- I discharged them from my room. And I was discharged later that day uh, without TPN. 
And I think if they could have pulled my port, they would have done that if, if I had, I had agreed to that, but I didn't. And so I ended up going back to my local GI doctor and explaining what had happened and his jaw dropped. He could not believe what they had done. And he's like the smart pill. This is so obvious that there's this, there's that. And he had all the facts and I was like, agreed. So let's agree that I'm not going to go to that hospital again because they're not believing me. And I am very thankful to say that I am still working with that GI and I see him regularly and I still have nutritional support um, through my port. (laughs) Nutritional support through my port. Also, um, it was another year later and started really looking at why I had all of these illnesses, these diagnoses, why things were getting worse rapidly and came across Ehlers-Danlos as an option and was able to to track down a geneticist that would work with me. Honestly, I tried the local area and no geneticist would see me because I had not had um, an abnormal EKG. So if I didn't have vascular EDS, then there was no point to diagnosing me because there was nothing they could do for me. Okay, well, knowing that I have this does something for me. It gives me my sanity. So it was very important for me to find that out. And during this whole process, I have made friends in the gastroparesis community and, you know, we support each other. And there are people one of the reasons people have gastroparesis um, that I forgot to mention is because of a botched surgery. Um, often it's a hernia surgery and the doctors somehow, some way snip the vagus nerve or both. There's one on each side, I guess. Um, that completely cuts off any, um, any sensors um, for the stomach to do its job that they need that nerve to give them the signals to work and they don't have it and they can't reconnect it. So that sucks. There's nothing you can do on that one. But again, I was so very surprised by the gastroparesis community when I shared my story that they were angry that I was not suing the hospital. And I just, I was like, this isn't my fight. They're like, this is your fight. This is our fight. You have to fight this hospital so that other people don't have the same, you know, terrible experience. And while that might be true, that is not where my spoons were going to be best used for my life. And that might sound extremely selfish, but um, I'm TPN dependent. I have a doctor that'll work with me. I have other resources and I'm not going to take on the biggest, baddest hospital in an entire region because of my bad experience. Talk about, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But that upset people enough in the gastro community, gastroparesis community and some of those that I considered friends that I lost those friendships. They were so mad at me. They even thought maybe I was lying because their situation, their root cause was very different. And so things are, they look different. 
And I know now what the main cause is, and I can understand my body better. Um, But that's that type of thing where there's fighting within the community, the medical community, and all we want to do is have a little bit of relief, get a little bit of help, however that might look or whoever that might come from. And it's really hard. I promised also that I would talk about things from the caregiver side. So we've definitely made it to our halfway mark. And let's just take a break and then we can come back and we can talk about things from the caregiver side and some other interesting stuff. Welcome back. Now, I think there are some obvious things, but I think when I assume that things are obvious, I truly am making an ass out of me and possibly you. Uh, So I'm not going to assume. The first thing you can do to support your loved one who is dealing with a chronic illness is to believe them. Don't fight them. Don't ask a million questions for them to justify what they're feeling or even why. It is already very maddening. Trust me, we are trying to figure this stuff out and we're just as baffled. What we can do is report, report our symptoms, report what's going on. And I don't know, the last night, even my husband and I were watching a couple of shows. The first show was great. All was well. Uh, We're sitting side by side. The second show, and they're both an hour long. I laid down and he rubbed my feet. So you would think that I would pop up and I would be great. When that show was over, I went to get up and it was a weight was pushing me down. All of a sudden, every single joint was very painful. I had tried to use my arms to help push me up and those elbows were not having it. The shoulders were screaming. The feet felt good, but guess what? The ankles and the knees were like statuesque. They really did not want to move. And I just, I looked at my husband. I'm like, what is going on? And I started thinking about it. And I started like checking, doing the systems check through my body. And it really was just everything. I was like, I wonder if there's a storm front coming in. This is, there's got to be a storm front coming in. This is, that's the only thing that makes sense at this point. My husband did not question it. He's like, yeah, probably. Um, do you need help getting to bed? I'm like, yes, I do. And he helped me get to bed. He helped get the pajamas on and the socks. And he lovingly placed me in bed and helped me get my legs in. He adjusted the bed because he knew reaching for the remote at this point was hard for me. And then he said, what medicines do you need? And he got the medicines. And he was helpful in every step of the way of what do you need right now? Now, we've been at this for quite a while. Was he this accepting at the beginning? I don't remember. And I don't care. Because he is accepting. And he is loving. And he does so much for me that we've all had a journey. And I choose to focus on the beautiful relationship that we have and the support that he gives me and has always given me. It's just had to change as the journey has gone along. But the funny thing then also was he took all that time to set me up to help me get to the to the bed and get the medications I needed. And then he went outside 
And he FaceTimed me from our garage. He said, babe, yep, your body knows what's going on. It just started raining. And that was huge for him to call and let me know that it was lightly raining. It wasn't something that I could hear from our bedroom, um, but it confirmed why my body was behaving the way it was. We don't always get that immediate feedback, but when we do get it, it's a beautiful thing. So you can see from that example how my husband not questioning and just simply believing and moving to action to help me was the most beneficial thing that he could do for me. So when we go to the doctors, when we go to the hospital, that is not the type of treatment we typically get. We probably should, but we don't. Everything is questioned, much is not believed, and we have to fight. So there's that second piece for our significant others is being our second at the hospital or the ER or the doctor's appointments to confirm that what we're saying is real, that they too have seen this. They they know what happens and they have no rationale for it. There isn't something that we missed. They can also, at least in my case, my husband can be a translator. Sometimes I don't know how to communicate things and maybe because I'm so focused on them hearing me and what I'm saying, I'm not hearing them well either. That's that's on me, but I don't know how to fix that glitch. Well, he can be there to help mediate this exchange of, okay, I think they're trying to say this, but she, and she's trying to say this. And believe it or not, it's, it's such a helpful thing um, to have that. He's not a neutral party, but he's able to be in both worlds. He can experience my world and he can be in the, I don't experience this myself, but this is how I can talk to you about it. And that's very helpful. And here's a third thing. There's a lot more, but I'm just giving my top three. It really cannot be overstated how strong the desire is for those with chronic illness, spoonies alike, to be normal. We want to be able to make plans, to go out with our friends, to have dinner with our significant others, and do all the things that normal people do. Sometimes we get to do those, but a lot of times our illness rips that away. And the best thing that a support person can do is to assure the loved one that they are loved, that it's okay, that we can make other plans, and um, know that as much as you can have steps forward, and maybe your loved one is having a really good time, and you've made it to several events, and things have gone smoothly, and then they get hit upside the head with symptoms, and they're down for the count, It's not what they're choosing. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's both. Um, But they're definitely not choosing to have a regression in their symptoms or their mental health. And they are beyond frustrated. And you are too. I I don't want to discount the fact that the spouse or significant other, the support people 
have their feelings about this. They very much want what's best for their loved one. They very much want to help. And um, so to remember that you're on the same side, you're, you're working towards the same goal, to give each other grace, to give each other that it's okay, we'll try again next time, that it's not a forever and always because it's so unpredictable. When you have a good day, run with it if you're able and and make the most of that. But if the support person adds more guilt, adds more frustration uh, to the to the sick person because the illness has put limitations on what they can do or whatever, that is um, exponentially compounding the hardships. And I believe for both of them. So it's not a good place to be. And I think we all know that we can slip into that for a moment. But if you do slip, well, get back up. There's a there's places for apologies on both sides. There's a place to hold each other in all the tenderness that we have and love on each other that we're going to get through this. As a caregiver, you're going to be overwhelmed too at times, and that's okay. I would highly recommend that you seek a therapist who can help you process some of these emotions and feelings. It's just a really hard row. And there are so many Spoonies who lose their relationships, their spouses, their significant others, even family, because family doesn't believe them and doesn't support them and just gives them a ton of grief or being a leech on the family or society or whatever. And um, that is, <laughs> ooh, that's hard. So if you want to make that commitment to your significant other as a caregiver, remember you have to take care of yourself too in a healthy way. And I believe that seeing a therapist is the best route to be able to do that. Last week, I did promise that I was going to work on a song list. And uh, so on a lighter note, I have done that and I will include it uh, in the in the show description. I hope you enjoy the music. And uh, if you have a list that you'd like to share, I'd love to hear it. Uh, just send me the link at gotanyspoons at gmail.com and uh, we'll enjoy music together. Remember, you are not alone and you are loved. I will see you next week.